Phil. Yes, sir. Uh, we've got uh, a special guest in with us, uh, best in the business, uh, at least you know, top ten in my book as far as uh, covering Texas A&M. Jeff Tarpley from Gigum Two Four Seven. Jeff, how's it going, man? Great guys. How are you doing? Great, awesome. great. Uh, glad, glad to be with you. I guess uh, right off the bat, obviously it's a big game um, for both teams Saturday night. I, I think in terms of uh, direction of season. Uh, can, can you kind of just tell us from your perspective uh, what's been going on out there in Aggieland this year? Uh, uh, obviously, some good wins, um, some not so good losses, uh, some some offensive performances that have been up and down. Uh, just kind of give us your perspective on uh, what's been going on in College Station. Well, for the second straight year, injuries have just really kind of killed whatever momentum that A and M hoped to build with uh, last season. They lost over 100 player games to injuries, and this year they've already lost, at least by our count, and that doesn't include, let's say, freshmen who missed the spring and fall camp and, and have yet to suit up. Uh, they've had, nine, I think, 19 players sit out 40 games total. Uh, and as a result, every time they take a step forward, they take a step back, and that's reflected in the 3-3 three and three record. They just can't build on anything uh, regardless of what it is really they've got on offense they've got one constant that's Devin A. Chain the running back who they try to get the ball in his hands 20 times a game Uh, Evan Stewart Moose Muhammad Donovan Green a young receiving core is beginning to come on Stewart is a former five-star those guys when they get put in man situations they do a good job of 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 finding grass and and getting to open areas and adjusting to the football. Uh, But the quarterback situation, uh, Max Johnson gone for a while, Haynes King, uh, there's questions as to whether he'll play or not this weekend because he got banged up against Alabama. That may open the door for five-star freshman Connor Wigman to come in and play. Uh, The offensive line, this will be – in all likelihood, the six different com- combination they've started in seven games. Uh, it, it started out kind of as a young group, but they had some experience based on the starts they brought back from 2021. That's kind of gone out the window due to health and the fact that they just they found it extraordinarily difficult to keep people healthy. The defense hasn't been everything that everybody anticipated either. They thought that the veterans – from three top 10 recruiting classes would provide the seasoning and the ability to rotate uh, that 2022 class in that everybody talks so much about. And so they wouldn't have to, you know, they might be learning, but they wouldn't be, you know, being asked to learn an accelerated rate. Instead, a lot of those guys have missed time except on the back end of the defense. And so the young guys have had to play a lot more. Uh, and, and like a lot of young guys, they, they struggle with, you know, some of the most basic things, getting off blocks, you know, run fits, et cetera. Uh, so they haven't been very, very good against the run. Uh, they've played a lot of bend but don't break up until the Alabama game. They were much more aggressive, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in that regard against South Carolina this weekend because they were facing a redshirt freshman quarterback in Jalen Milrow, and they came after him. Will they do the same thing against Spencer Rattler this weekend? 
Talking with Jeff Tarpley of Gigum Two Four Seven. Yeah, the quarterback situation is interesting. What What's the latest that you're hearing on that? I know you said there's some question about it, uh, Jeff. I, I found these days that until there's a rule uh, about injury disclosures in college football, we're, we're going to get a lot of different uh, interpretations <laughs> of, of the injury <laughs> report. You know, what are you kind of hearing from the inside on, on the quarterback situation and? You know, when I kind of look at Wagman and, and Haynes King, they, they kind of have similar skill sets, both mobile guys, um, you know, really like both of them coming out of high school a lot. Uh, but, but kind of break those two down and tell us what, what the latest is that you've heard, you know, on the quarterback situation heading into the game in Columbia. Well, one of the things about this year in, in, in College Station is that you, you, you seem to get a lot of conflicting info coming out of the program. Uh, and that's kind of been the scenario with the quarterback situation. Jimbo Fisher said on Monday, he was asked, hey, is, you know, is Hayes, Haynes King going to be able to go this weekend? And he said, he's going. So do you take him at face value and, and that he's starting? Well, there's other people saying, you know, he, he missed practice last week. And so that's not going to happen. Again, we'll just have to wait and, you know, we'll just have to wait and see on that front. In terms of, of comparing and contrasting the two, Wigman's a guy that impressed everybody uh, as an early enrollee, former five-star, dual-threat guy, uh, with his poise and ability to keep his eyes up and down the field. He's got the best arm of any of the quarterbacks on the team. He can, he can move around. He can run. Uh, he's got some arm talent because, uh, and and this is not to say he is Johnny Manziel, but he he kind of can make throws sometimes like Manziel did. Manziel's a former baseball player; you'd see him kind of, you know, change change up his arm on the fly. Uh, and and Wigman can do that. Wigman has nice arm talent, so he he's got some things going against for him. But, of course, you know, can he make the adjustment to playing in front of what is going to be a very, very noisy environment on Saturday with a young receiving core and an offensive line that's decimated by injury that may be missing a lot of people up front? Uh, in terms of Haynes King, uh, you know, King is dedicated. He's diligent. Uh, he'll hang in there. He took an enormous amount of punishment against Alabama. I think Pro Football Focus said he got pressured on 75% of his dropbacks. And AM quarterbacks, by the way, have been hit 30 times in six games. That's, you know, you have the saying, you know, that's no way to go through life. So that's really no way to go through life as a quarterback or as an offense. And so he's banged up. Um, he will put the ball in play for those young receivers to go up and get it. Uh, and they like him very, very much because of that. People gravitate toward him as a person, as a leader, but he doesn't have a great arm. And so he'll try to make throws that tend to sail to the boundary and that maybe he doesn't put as much air under down the field as he should and so that ends up in problematic situations, uh, accuracy yeah. issues, and also uh, interceptions. He only had the one interception against Alabama. But going into the Alabama game, he had eight, eight interceptions and 103 career attempts. So we'll watch for – you know, if he plays Saturday night, something to watch for. Uh, Jeff Tarpley, 
Giggum two four seven. Get more into the offensive lines because because like we uh you know on, on this end South South Carolina is it we've basically kind of seen some talk for, from the message board and stuff like that. Um, it just just how how banged up do you think this offensive line for A and M really is heading into Saturday night? You said they'll be down at least one starter, but uh, you know I, I think that's a, that's a position that maybe gets lost. Uh, on fan bases on the opposite side of, of the conference, you know they, they don't—they're uh, not really tracking, you know, offensive guard uh, depth or something like that. But kind of get into that a little bit, and uh, you know, tell everybody your expectations there. Well, they—they they could have two guys. They—they they probably will have two guys missing, and and the two guys they'll have missing, uh, Aki Ogunbi and uh, Bryce Foster they're probably – it's probably more of a long-term deal with them. And Foster's already had mono in fall camp, so he missed the first two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to – they might be missing two other guys. Uh, left tackle Trey Zoom, guard Layden Robinson, who have had their own struggles with injuries. Zoom missed the Alabama game. Robinson's been playing with a high ankle sprain all year. Really, the only fixture uh, going into the game is going to be right tackle Ruben Fathery. Uh, if you're looking for guys to plug in at the uh, left guard and center positions, Matthew Wyckoff, uh, third-year guy, excuse me, second-year guy, played the uh, first two games in Foster's place, uh, and he's got some size. Uh, he's about six foot five, six foot six, three hundred twenty-three and twenty-five pounds. Uh, Cam Dewberry is a four-star freshman who reminds a lot of people of Kenyon Green. He's got that almost, you know, maybe not an NFL body and standpoint of the shape, but he certainly got it in terms of the mass. He's a big, big kid. Uh, he's one of those guys that you, even as a freshman, you're not going to run over him. Uh, and he's going to be able to come off the ball and get his hands up and, and be functional in the run game. But again, this, you know, regardless of whether they're how many guys are going to be down, this is their six line combination in seven games. You know, they're going to have to deal with a defense that's really going to be fired up sitting there going, hey, we've got an opportunity to go five and two. You know, we have a chance to, from South Carolina's viewpoint, finally beat AM for the first, first time ever. Uh, the communication aspect is going to be really, really interesting. They managed to be functional at Alabama uh, in, a, in, a, in a similar environment. Uh, whether they can repeat that or not remains to be seen because even at Mississippi State, they kind of struggled a little bit. If they can work together, if they can find a way to work together and, and just not give up very many negative plays, uh, not be tasked with holding their blocks too long, especially in terms of pass protection. They can find ways to be functional. They can avoid negative plays and get behind the sticks consistently. And eventually they can work their ways maybe to some big plays on down the line. But again, they're going to have to get out of the first, much like Alabama, they're going to have to get out of the first quarter with maybe the crowd not feeling it so much maybe not being quite as loud and building on just not putting themselves in a hole and, and getting the defense, you know, making some big plays somehow and getting the defense and special teams to set them up with, again, like 
they did against Alabama with favorable field position so they can convert those opportunities into points. Because other than the Mississippi State game, this is an offense that has not scored more than two touchdowns in a football game this year. Oh, goodness. Excuse me, against FBS opponents. Yeah. They scored against Sam Houston, but against FBS opponents, they've had, I think, uh, two games where they scored a single touchdown, and then they've had two games where they scored just one touchdown. The struggle is real on offense at Texas A&M. Uh, obviously, uh, South Carolina fans can relate to that. Uh, uh, you know, you mentioned the first time you know, South Carolina's played A&M uh, eight straight years now. Uh, it seems like yesterday, that first game uh, in Columbia, where the, the Gamecocks, I think, were 11-point favorites and got blown out. Um, you look at the other teams A&M plays every year uh, in the West, you know, because it's the West and South Carolina. Uh, just about everybody in the West is, is at least beaten A&M once or twice. Uh, why do you think A&M, other than, hey, they've just been better, uh, has such uh, good uh, success against South Carolina uh, for, for all this time? Well, I, I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, it, A&M has been able to recruit really well, even during the, you know, even during the Kevin Sumlin era. Uh that starts with, you know, that starts with how you're doing versus your in-state rival. Uh, from a and M standpoint, Texas, uh, they did have that Sugar Bowl team a couple of years ago. But other than that, Texas has really struggled to get itself back on, you know, in the national discussion. And so A&M's been able to take advantage of that with some, some quality campaigns. And also uh, Jimbo Fisher is one of the, easily one of the top five recruiting head coaches in the country. He's one of those guys that he's really personable. He's a promoter. He relates to everybody, whether it's regardless of whether it's a group scenario or one-on-one situations, he's got a really good group of recruiters. He's got a really good recruiting organization. So the talent level at A&M has always been relatively high, even when they underachieved on the field. In, In contrast, South Carolina, once Davo Sweeney got everything going, uh, their talent level, and you can see this when A&M faces them versus some of the other opponents on their schedule year after year, they just don't have the talent. They, they lack size some places. They lack athleticism in others. Uh, you know, South Car- you know, Clemson's had that effect on them. But also when Spurrier was there, they seemed to recruit better in areas like Georgia and Florida. And, you know, the rise of, of Fisher at Florida State, uh, the rise of Urban Meyer at, at, at Florida, the, uh, the ability of Kirby Smart to elevate Georgia. You know, all those factors have played a role in the fact that South Carolina has just really struggled to recruit at the same level, level as everybody else in the SEC East on, a, on an annual basis. And, and you throw in the fact that because of that, they've had, what, the one nine-win season uh, under Muschamp? Yeah. It um, they, they just haven't been able to win at a high enough level to start to change that narrative. And until they can do that, and especially with Fisher, as good a recruiter as he is in College Station, I don't think that's going to change. And this year's a different situation because AM is just so banged up. Uh, and – 
and they didn't take anybody unlike everybody else, or seemingly everybody else in the SEC West. They didn't take anybody in the portal except for for Max Johnson. So yeah. Yeah. they took twenty nine freshmen, yeah. and so this yeah. is a young team. This is this is a very very young team, and whatever experience was supposed to act as a buffer between those freshmen and pl- having to play. 50, 60, 70 snaps a game is gone due to the injuries. 7.30 p.m. Saturday night kickoff. The battle for the Bonham Trophy. Tarb, did you know there was a trophy for this game? <laughs> yes, I did. And I was born in Bonham, Texas, so I know uh, about James uh, Bonham. Bonham. <laughs> you know all about it. So that, that, that was yes, going to be one of the South Carolina fans. Well, this is, uh, you know, this is, it's, been a, it's been a fun series. I think Gamecock fans uh, – some years have not necessarily looked forward to playing the Aggies, but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times, you know, when you talk about in-state and things like that, you know, one's garnet, one's maroon, and and both our travels are orange. Um, speaking of that, I, I don't think when the SEC goes to nine that this thing's going to continue every year. I, I think A&M's probably got some other – permanent opponents in mind, don't you think, uh, when the when the schedule changes uh, and, and Texas and OU come in the league? Yeah, I think I, I think the SEC's broadcast partner is going to sit there and go, hey, A&M needs to be playing Texas on an annual basis. Uh, they need to be playing Oklahoma on an annual basis. Uh, I, I think, if, you know, or excuse me, not Oklahoma, LSU. I think they need to be playing LSU on an annual basis. Uh, the third opponent – uh, I, I, you know, A&M and Arkansas have had some great games over the years. Mm-hmm. And it, it's – even though Arkansas up until the last couple of seasons hasn't been a great program. Uh, it's always close. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Arkansas mm-hmm. – yeah, our, for its talent level compared to A&M, Arkansas really plays A&M off its feet. And, this, and those are entertaining games. I'll tell you, there's always big plays – and, and momentum-changing plays like the fumble by K.J. Jefferson uh, this year. You know, Arkansas is ready to go up by, by two scores again, and A&M hadn't been able to stop him. And then all of a sudden, uh, Jefferson tries to do the Lambeau leap from the three-yard line. A&M runs it back for a touchdown. And Arkansas literally went into a shell for the next 20 minutes while A&M itself built a two-score lead and was able to hold off on A&M. And you get, you know, you this is that's been a great series because you get those types of weird games. It's been very entertaining, even though on paper Arkansas has usually been the inf- uh, an inferior opponent and sometimes vastly inferior. Oh yeah, Chad Morris, uh, uh, as bad as he was, uh, th- that A and M game was close for whatever reason. I always, I always tell people that that uh, Aggies have usually won it, but it's been it's been right down to the wire. Uh, well, Tarpley, uh, you know, I, I know there's a lot of reason for confidence that, that A&M, just based on the history, talent, and all that, that uh, they'll get back on track and get the four wins and, and get out of Columbia uh, with another victory. But uh, it does seem like the matchup is, is a little more even this year than maybe the last few years. Uh, you know, your final or, or your take for our audience here uh, about what you think will happen Saturday night. Well, I think the path for A&M is, is like it was versus Alabama. Uh, it has to get out of the first quarter w- with the crowd at, at least not as loud as what they were when the game opened. They have to find a way to survive the first quarter. They have to sur- find a way where they're not turning over the football. 
and 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 getting consistently behind the sticks. They had some success. You know, that was one of the things about the first quarter of that Alabama game. You know, they they would generate a negative play every series for the Tide and, and force the Tide to punt. And then they kind of avoided those on their end and at least were able to move the ball a little bit. Um, so for A&M, it's, it, it's about avoiding the negative plays, surviving and building on that, at least from an offensive standpoint, so that they can eventually start manufacturing bigger plays and scoring opportunities you know the defense i think is going to have to play lights out uh they get McKin- they've got mckinley jackson back who they missed for multiple games he's a big nose tackle uh it didn't show up in the stats but at least he was a he, he was a factor in the alabama game uh they're they're going to have to be aggressive they're going to have to you know try to make things happen to help the offense out A&M's going to have to win special teams. You know, Alabama didn't just turn the ball over four times. They also had the two missed field goals, and that allowed A&M to stay in that game when, in theory, they shouldn't have been in it it or at the end. So, if you know, path is very, very similar. And if A&M can do those things, they can come out with a win. Or better yet, I think it's best to say at this point, they can set themselves up to make it a one-score game and then find a way to win it. Jeff Tarley from Giga247. Thanks. Are you are you heading to Columbia this weekend, man? No, I am not. Uh, but I will be online and, and doing my usual stuff on uh, our message boards during the game, providing analysis, and then getting into the post game into the wee hours of the night, just like you guys do. All right. Hey, well, <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Always great to catch up with you. Uh, keep killing it and uh, uh, enjoy this weekend, man. Thanks, guys. You do the same. Thanks, Jeff Tarpley, Gigum two four seven. So that I just kind of I'll let Jeff just talk there, Phil, because uh, he knows A and M as well as anyone. And right, <laughs> it, it sounds like their injury situation may be a little bit more, I guess, dire. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think we were just focused on quarterback, but no, I mean, I know their O line's been having some issues, but I didn't realize they're running that many people in and out of there. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's a uh, that's a lot of turnover there, especially going on the road and uh, uh, in the SEC. You know, the crowd noise does make a difference when it comes to playing O line in terms of you know mistakes and things like that. And plus, you don't know what the quarterback situation is. I uh, I think. Uh, if I'm the Aggies, uh, I'm, I'm looking at, at a chain and saying, "Hey, this is your game, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your game. You know, hey, he's more than capable of it. I mean, you know, yeah. real dynamic. You know, shifty back. So it's going to yeah. be it'll be a fun game. And he he, meant, he mentioned Moose Muhammad Jr. That's uh, Masim Muhammad. Obviously, everybody remembers him from the Panthers and Michigan State. That's his son. Uh, he's one of their receivers. And Evan Stewart obviously is a really good freshman receiver for them yeah. as well. They've got ball players and, and and he's absolutely right phil i i think the difference in this game you know during the times a&m has won it uh ha- has been talent and recruiting mm-hmm. I, I think that uh most years when a&m's kind of ran away with it uh they've had better players <laughs> that's that's been the bottom line um mm-hmm. and, you, and you can look at it and, and you know he, he's probably right you know when, when it comes to south carolina compared to i mean you're talking about a program that plays lsu and alabama and auburn and Arkansas and, and all those schools every single season. 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think they have uh, done well against, you know, Texas being down and, you know, LSU having only one, you know, spectacular season, say, in the past, you know, five or six. So uh, yeah. they've been a bit and, and they've taken advantage fully of the recruiting. Uh, you know, that's the one thing that Jimbo really has made a big difference in is uh, uh, getting that high end talent. Not to say that um, Sumlin didn't, but uh, I think Jimbo's kind of tracking a little faster than <laughs> someone yeah. on the recruiting well, end of things. Yeah. <laughs> Last year was a extremely nasty all right we're going to get to the nana sports chat box today's poll question uh kind of wanted to throw out uh a stat we haven't been talking about a whole lot you know given a&m's quarterback situation uh but also they're you know very talented receiving core and uh you know the gamecocks obviously are going to try to kind of focus a bit on a chain and, and make sure he doesn't kill them over under 175 passing yards saturday night for texas a&m regardless of quarterback yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning under now. You know, with all this O line talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know, because to me, like against Kentucky for South Carolina, that was maybe the bigger difference. Is, uh, mm. and I know if Levis had been in, he's probably worth another score in that game for them or whatever. But uh, you know, South Carolina's defensive line decidedly was better than yeah. than South Carolina than uh, Kentucky's offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I think just like in the Kentucky series in previous years, A&M's offensive lines completely dominated uh, against the Gamecocks, um, especially the, probably the last, probably fair to say the last two meetings at least, uh, 2020 when they came over. Uh, and then uh, last year, of course, in College Station where it was just probably over before it really no, got going. No. <laughs> you know, before, before it started. Um, you know, Aggies have won 48-3, uh, 44-14, uh, going back to 2019, 30 to six. So the last three have not been close. Close call uh, for AM in 2018, 2017, uh, 2016, kind of close ish, closer than people thought. 2015 was close. Um, and then 2014, of course, we all know what happened in that game. We don't have to, to re, uh, rehash that after the, the summer of Spurrier and uh, Kitty Chesney movies and, and all that. Gamecocks uh, got waxed by the Aggies. Um, some people call that the beginning of the end with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, we'll be back here, uh, after, uh, these messages, we got Jamie Bradford coming up, right, Phil? Yep. Yep. Coming on yep. noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got, uh, our, our talk with him, uh, and we're going to also, uh, get into the uh, chat box, also the mailbag, uh, and talk with you guys, uh, uh, like we always do here on inside the game, Cast the show at back after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope's State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email's on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Inside the Gamecocks is brought to you in the first hour by Sydney Searfoss of Colbell Banker Kane Realty. Give Cindy a call for all your upstate residential real estate needs at 864-414-5271. And just to reinforce the point on the Meredith Keller side of things, uh, get, in, or get in touch with um, at Mayor Taylor on Twitter or anything because she is cranking up her golf lesson business. So if you need any help from golf lessons, virtual or in person, Give Meredith a call because she's starting to book up clients right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's got uh, gear, too, and it looks good. Yeah, it's got nice gear. Yeah, Her logo is nice and clean. It looks good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably get some at some point mm-hmm. soon. I encourage everybody else to do the same. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, thanks to Jeff Tarpley. That was sort of a, a nice deep dive into Texas A&M, uh, I think, here on a Wednesday. And, you know, I, I feel like I, I – they play each other every year, right? And right. Uh, as I talked about, uh, it's probably not going to last <laughs> that much longer. Um, I don't think a lot of Gamecock fans are sad about that, actually. But uh, uh, and I don't know if people inside the program are sad about it either because it, it is a, a relatively distant trip uh, right. to, to make. And, uh, you know, you, you probably, if you have three permanent opponents on a nine-game schedule wanting, you know, you'd probably rather go to Kentucky or Vandy or, Mississippi State, even uh, other than uh, they go all the way out to A and M, but uh, and I'm sure they'd rather play Arkansas and Texas and, and, and schools like that. Uh, but there is a trophy, the Bonham Trophy. Uh, as Tarp said, he was born in Bonham, Texas, so he knows all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a chance to get the trophy Saturday night, I think. Uh, uh, you know, and and look, okay, injuries are part of football, right? And um, I, I know that there's going to be probably. Even if the Gamecocks win, they're going to be like, oh, well, A&M had a bunch of injuries. But, you know, South Carolina's had a bunch of injuries uh, in recent years, too, Phil. And I don't think anybody, like, said, okay, we're going to give this win over the Gamecocks back because uh, because they were hurt and injured, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah you just need to take advantage of, uh, you know, what's given to you. Like we did last week at, or, you know, you know, at Kentucky. You know, you got a, you're down there starting quarterback, and you, you just you got to capitalize on that. You can't let an opportunity like that get by you. The poll question, uh, people are kind of split a bit on it. Uh, <laughs> on Twitter, it's 50-50, over under A&M, 174 and a half passing yards. Um, on thebigspur.com, where we also have the poll, over is up. Over is up to 62.5% uh, over the under, 174 and a half passing yards for A&M. Um, you know, somebody in the chat box said, if A&M has that many passing yards on Saturday night, uh, chances are probably good that the Gamecocks won. And I, I think what that means, Phil, is uh, they've probably done a good job of shutting down A-Chain. Yeah, you've stopped the run. <laughs> <laughs> if they get that many. But, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, uh, one thing on the offensive line that, that people – because we've seen the offensive line struggle around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing people probably don't really realize is how important communication is up front. Uh, so if you're starting, you know, new people on the offensive line, it's uh, it, that can pose a challenge in and of itself, regardless of talent. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, you know, I think it's more pivotal, especially when you're talking about pass protection too. Uh, you know, if it's loud and they're having to make adjustments on the line, you know, calling out the mic and all of this, who's who's coming, and yeah. uh, they're going to have a rough go of it because you know, I think if you you can, you can get a gap or a zone scheme put in there 
prior to going out there and having to face the, the yeah. crowd noise <laughs> when it comes to running. Exactly. You know, game guys do have to play well against the run. You can't let a chain go wild. He's kind of the straw that stirs the drink, but they've struggled, uh, you know, um, up until the last three games, uh, you know, they, they've, you know, Carolina's offense is probably pretty similar to A&M's as far as, you know, good for a couple of touchdown drives per game. And and that, that's usually about it. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully they kind of stay at bay uh, on Saturday night if you're the Gamecocks, because uh, frankly, you know, the last two years that they played the Aggies, it, A&M's kind of scored at will. Um, and, and I think, I think Gamecock fans would, would sort of like to see Carolina slow them down for a change. I mean, that's been that's been an issue in this series. Carolina uh, has not always played very good defense uh, against Texas A&M, regardless of the year. So uh, I think that's the hope Saturday night that Clayton White and his group will get after it. And the, the defensive line, as we say, will eat. Let's go eat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Stay aggressive, but play disciplined because uh, <coughs> yeah, 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 hit the edge and burn you. Dennis <laughs> Force chat box is hopping. Craiger says, "Hey, hey, good morning, Jeff Fowler. Uh, good morning, fellas. As a career Marine, I'm big on culture and what it is. Uh, Beamer changing that is very much needed, in my opinion. With that says, with that said, thoughts on if Beamer Beamer will pull the offer to Xavier McLeod." Um, and thank you for your service, Jeff Fowler. Yes, sir. Um, yes sir. I don't think so because Xavier's kind of been upfront with them about I'm going to take some visits, uh, and if there was anything going on kind of behind the scenes with them, with him, uh, kind of like a lot of people think about with, with regards to when they see social media and things like that. Uh, I, I think Gamecocks wouldn't hesitate to to, to uh, pull an offer from a kid that doesn't fit the culture, but behind the scenes. His situation is a lot different as far as his communication with the Gamecock staff uh, than what you may think. Um, I, I do think he loves recruiting a lot, and I do think that there is something uh, with a lot of players that they have to be de-recruited when they get to a school. You know, um, I'm sure A&M goes through that as well. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't. You know, I, I your question is good because if if there was a culture issue, I, I don't think uh, Beamer or the staff would hesitate to part ways with anybody. You know, including current players, uh, because they they put that uh, the culture at the utmost importance. Um, but this uh, is kind of the thing, JC too, is like, is there like kind of hints at character issues for him? I haven't seen anything concrete about that, or uh, it's social media interpretation, basically. No, okay, a lot of a lot of games. <laughs> Because he, you know, he likes to put Instagram stories up about other schools and and things like that. He kept, he was the first commit in this class. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, he was the first welcome home. I mean, uh, and he 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 was the welcome home. Um, you know, the day after he went to Athens for the mm-hmm. national championship celebration uh, for with Georgia, a visit to Georgia. So, I mean, that's always kind of told me something about him. Uh, you know, you, you kind of go with actions, not words. Uh, I think that's a good way to even deal with people. No. Um, and uh, you, you look at his actions, uh, they're a lot different than maybe what his social media says, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think with McLeod. Um, but but in general, though, Jeff Fowler, I, I, don't, I don't think they'd hesitate to get rid of anybody, uh, coach, player, uh, equipment manager, you know, you name it, that uh, isn't uh, – part of the, the culture that Shane Beamer is trying to establish. He, he, he protects that, you know, everybody it's universal when you talk to people 
uh, about that. He protects that overall. So uh, there's your answer there. Uh, Craig says Craig and Lady Bree are going back and forth. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Craig says Craig says Aggies are more physical in the past. Yeah, uh, I, I think, and, and that's weird because you know you, you think about A and M where they were coming into the league, um, not the most physical. <laughs> no. uh, coming from the Big Twelve. Uh, you know, Missouri kind of had a secret sauce when they came in. And, and somebody that pretty close to the Texas program told me this. Uh, when Missouri came in the league, they're like, uh, look, uh, I don't know how AM's going to do, but they said Missouri recruits and finds defensive linemen better than anybody in the country. Sure enough, Missouri wins back-to-back division titles two years in because uh, they have all these guys that were like two and three stars on the D-line, but they were really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. And yeah, so fast, long, yeah, good, yeah, good defensive end. Yeah, I was like, well, Missouri's probably going to be, you know, we're talking about the Big 12 teams coming in back in 2012. And he's like, I was like, Missouri will probably be even worse. And he's like, I don't know, you know, because they, they do so well up front on defense. And uh, their first year they struggled and then two straight division titles. So <laughs> they, uh, they actually, and, and they rode that D line doing it. So, uh, but, but when AM came in the league, I mean, I don't, I don't think they were known as being, I mean, the wrecking crew was something uh, from back in the nineties at the time. That and the wind was not walking through that door. Right. (laughs) Um, And Johnny football, I think (laughs) Johnny Manziel just kind of changed everybody's opinion about Texas A&M that first year. Um, And and I guess Carolina, they have been since 2014, the more physical team uh, and and better, more talented. Um, You know, uh, I still think they're more talented top to bottom. I mean, yeah. you know, if you want to, if you, if you go through these two rosters three or four years from now and count up the, the number of NFL players, I think Texas A&M would probably have it. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The know. advantage is the inexperience. It's, it's not the talent, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they've, they've definitely got the Jimmy's and Joe's if you will. Yeah. And, um, and, and all that good stuff. So, um, daddy says recruiting is easier when you have deep pockets in the NIL world. Yeah, there's money. There's oil money. Not, yeah, not <laughs> going to say that's not true. <laughs> uh, he's got a really good state to recruit in as well. Yeah, Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's pretty good high school talent out there, and they've won uh, a good number of in-state battles uh, against Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and uh, Southern Cal. Whoever everybody recruits out there uh, in mm-hmm. Texas these days, but uh, they've done a good job of, of, of you know getting their share. Um, Craig says, uh, well, Lady Bree, Muschamp kept getting top 25 recruits, but couldn't get the wins he should get. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that was the big problem with that whole era. It was, it was, it was wins. Baffling. I mean, yeah, you're putting guys in the league and you can't, you can't get a cohesive product on the field to, to catch a win. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and and it was a it was a bad thing because they they would win at times, uh, but but I think there was something to be said for they could never get momentum. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it would be one one great Saturday, and then the following Saturday, I let down. You know that kind of thing. Uh, Completely lacking in consistency week to week. I think, and that's what that, that that really is the biggest thing and most important thing for me this weekend is to see that we can get past that. That this coaching staff can keep these guys playing at a level that's going to win a game that, I mean, 
that's generally a pick them because what is this game? You know, like three and a half, four points. Yeah, <laughs> so, three and a half yeah. points. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I, uh, I think they're similar teams uh, if you mm -hmm. think about. It. You know, I, I think A and M has played a probably if you, if you just look at the six opponents, uh, A and M's played obviously I think a tougher schedule. I yeah. mean. Yeah. You know, Alabama, Miami, and App State. I mean, <laughs> those are uh, Arkansas. You know, Sam Houston State's really the only uh, kind of gimme game they played. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Miami certainly isn't as good as I think people thought they would be this year, um, and uh, and all that. But uh, you know, that they've they've played legitimate teams every single week since the opener. I mean, South Carolina obviously hadn't, but I like I said, I'm I'm kind of glad because. You know, you, you talk about uh, – we talked about the get-right games, Phil, and, and those games I think really helped facilitate the win at Kentucky because it yeah. was a matter of confidence. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you, you could see that team was playing at, at an intensity level that, that definitely could only be achieved by having some confidence in those two wins prior. Um, and that's why I say it's like you just need to roll that right on into this week. Roll it over this week. I got it. John says, Puget Sound Bureau of TBS checking in. Go Cox. That's right. We love our Pacific Northwest listeners. Uh, Doc says, heck, Texas could be their own conference. The money, blood, sweat, and tears for football is insane. Uh, let me tell you a story. Uh, we, we had David Cloninger on Cloninger, sorry, yep. uh, yesterday, uh, or, yeah, or Monday, actually, talking about uh, Carolina and the big split with the ACC. Doctor used to be uh, the Southwest Conference, and um, it was all the Texas schools, uh, Rice, SMU, Included Houston, uh, Baylor, TCU, uh, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, uh, and Arkansas. <laughs> 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 Arkansas are like, well, we're in this league, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and Arkansas, every time they played a big Texas school, it was a, it was a, a big rivalry. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it disbanded, uh, I think, in the mid-'90s when uh, SMU got the death penalty. Uh, I think every other school in that league at some point during that time was on probation. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a Texas conference, and uh, you talk to people in Texas, and uh, they uh, they certainly uh, they've certainly missed those days, some of them. But uh, you know, and then uh, four of the schools, one of the Big Twelve, obviously, you know, Rice and SMU, TCU, they they kind of went into the wilderness. Uh, TCU made it back, and now Houston's back in the Big Twelve, but. Uh, it's uh, it's been kind of a, a journey, uh, but I remember back then, man. Houston used to play in the Astrodome, like uh, it's like Texas would go to Houston, uh, and they play in the Astrodome, and um, it was uh, mostly Texas fans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and it was it was, uh, it was very interesting, very interesting days. Uh, but that that league obviously disbanded, I think, in the mid nineties. But that year used to be a uh, entire Texas conference. Mm -hmm. uh, back and stuff. I, I don't know that that wasn't that wasn't fun. You know, more fun. Oh yeah. Craig mm -hmm. kind of says you blitz and a chain breaks the line. The Aggies band is playing. Just stay in your gap, set the edge, and no long runs. Yeah, I, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if on a passing down, uh, Jimbo may throw in a draw play to a chain. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, especially if Carolina's trying to heat up the quarterback, which I think they will. Uh, also, you have to keep in mind whether it's Haynes King or, or, or Connor Wagman, both those guys can run. Mm -hmm. yeah, they, I mean, you got to keep you. Oh, just hit the screen there. You have to you have to contain, all right, uh, with, with those guys. So the Gamecocks, 
uh, I think do have to play disciplined and set the edge and, and all that good stuff, like Craig said. Um, Preston says, any recruits close to commit watch? Um, I'd pay attention to Elijah Davis after his official visit this, this next weekend. Uh, he's kind of been a mystery, man. He's the Juco kid from, uh, I believe, Wagner Sally that uh, is in uh, in junior college. Alabama's offered and some other things. But um, I, I do think that uh, – I do think that um, – you know, after his visit, uh, official visit, we'll, we'll kind of know more about where the Gamecocks stand and if he's definitely coming back or not. He's really good. I, I think the Gamecocks could use him, uh, obviously, on the interior of the defensive line. If you think about next season, uh, Zach Pickens is having such a good year. I would expect him to go uh, pro, obviously. Um, yeah. So you have a veteran guy. Uh, maybe you can get it there. And, and I think South Carolina always needs to take uh, junior college players that are really good. Um, that are from the state, you know, because the, a lot of times the in-state guys uh, do have to go JUCO, and Clemson doesn't take those guys. So yeah. if if in-state players want to come back home <laughs> from the junior college ranks, you know, South Carolina's kind of uh, got a corner market. Yeah, um, Don Staley picked up another recruit today, though. Yep, a uh, birdie shooting guard. Yeah, another birdie in the nest. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, that's mm-hmm. good. She. Um, She's pretty good. Speaking of basketball, uh, SEC Media Days is going on. Lamont Paris addressed the media mm-hmm. early today. The Gamecocks are picked um, dead last. Dead last. <laughs> In the SEC. Ooh. Hey, well, look. you know, it's easy to it's easy to defeat the expectation when they're picking you last. <laughs> but man, I, I think I think sometimes preseason basketball. Uh, yeah, are worse than, than the football. I think I think the football media days, uh, you got all summer to think about it and talk it to death and all this. I think, you know, it, it, with SEC basketball, folks just kind of show up and look at the rosters and go, well, these guys look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, there's more consistency with the roster in football year over year than there is with basketball. Anyway, it, so it's like me know. at the horse track the other week. I'm like, ah, it's a pretty <laughs> horse. Yeah, that one looks good. Put it on, <laughs> put it on nine. <laughs> I mean, you know, so so I get it. Um, You know, obviously, I I don't think Frank's teams were ever picked. I think the Final Four team was picked 11th. Yeah, I mean, it it was down near the bottom. They they, they exceeded expectations. Yeah, I mean, last year, I think Carolina was picked 11th, and then they finished 9-9 and in the league. So you never know, but it's a new era. You know, I I like this. I like the schedule, Phil, because it's a a situation where, you you know, you you have a – you're probably not going to know how good you are relative to SEC play, but it's tough enough. It's a tough enough schedule to, to where you can kind of find out if you're going to be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you know, like the Charleston Classic has some really good matchups, I, I think, in it. And uh, with a lot of coaches that people talked about, you know, when, when the job mm-hmm. was open, uh, Nico Medved from Colorado State, obviously. Uh, Furman will be in that tournament. Uh, you know, uh, Gamecocks do play Colorado State to start. So I, I think, uh, you know, there's a chance in Charleston to pick up some sneaky good wins. But uh, Lamont Paris didn't seem to mind today that his team was picked last. He's just kind of like, uh, neither did Gigi Jackson for that matter. So Right. Yeah. They're like, I bring it. <laughs> Zach says the problem with our recruiting has been we haven't gotten difference makers like we did under Spurrier, Gilmore, Alshon, Lattimore, Clowney, Mike Davis, Melvin Ingram. Um, well, we'll see, you know, because obviously Gilmore 
was a no-brainer. Lattimore and Clowney were, were two of the best players ever to come out of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Davis was kind of a sneaky good get late. Um, Melvin Ingram, uh, Carolina, he's kind of a three-star guy. Uh, Carolina uh, kind of snuck in. I don't want to say sneakily got him, but uh, – uh, you know, his film didn't really start circulating until he was already committed and uh, and all that. I think the game guys beat North Carolina on him. So, uh, yeah, and Alshon obviously was a battle with Tennessee and Southern Cal. But, uh, you know, I, I, I we'll see, you know, because uh, some of these guys may very well be difference makers, you know, that, that they've recruited. Um, I actually think uh, if, if you're talking about players on this year's team, I think Juice Wells is a difference maker. You know, yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 but when you're winning, it's easy to look back on those days and say, "Ah, those guys were difference makers," and and some guys weren't. Um, Zach says the only difference maker we had under Muschamp was Debo, in my opinion. He was, uh, yeah. but he, he actually also was a Spurrier recruit. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the end, he was a, uh, uh, I think Junior um, kind of heard about him at the Shrine Bowl and, and picked him up late. Uh, he just wasn't Horn, Horn was a difference maker though too. I mean, you know, you got JC Horn. Yeah, JC Horn made a difference, and um, I think I think uh, Javon Kinlaw made a difference. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was a developmental thing. I mean, because it's one thing to have guys, but this yeah. is a developmental game. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and if you're not going to bring them along as a group and as a team, then it's going to look like what we lived through these, you know through those dark five years. <laughs> They're dark. Dark times. Dark times. Cold, rainy. <laughs> Fog. Craig has a good point. He says Antonio Williams is going to be an absolute stud. He's a miss. Hyatt already is. That's a miss. Randall, we will see, but a miss. Uh, Adam Randall's going to be really good too, Craig. I hate to. Yeah. Uh, you know, put a, a drop of rain in your cornflakes there. But uh, that's, uh, yeah, he, Adam Randall's going to be good too. He's just hurt. I uh, said, it's a tough sell until we win. Go win Saturday and build one. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing about in-state receiver recruiting is South Carolina has to do it. Um, and it's not losing Antonio Williams, who was a lifelong Clemson fan, who dreamed of playing for Clemson, who everybody and their brother knew. I mean, Carolina did a really good job with him. And, uh, you know, but at the end, Clemson just waltzed in and got him. That was a different situation than Jalen Hyatt, who the other staff just passed on. Oh, sorry. No, no we're good. We're going to go take this other guy. Too skinny. Yeah, you're, you're dropping passes and you're too skinny. So, Jeez. Um, yeah, so anyway, anyway, you know, Alabama didn't offer me either, right? Clemson didn't offer me either. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you, you know, when you, when you put too much emphasis on size over speed, you know, you can always get a guy bigger. He can always hit the weight room, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But in-state receiver recruiting to me is extremely important for this program. Uh, and it's not necessarily, you know, you, you certainly don't want to lose guys like Randall, Mazio Bennett, and um, Antonio Williams, because those guys are really good. But uh, you also don't want to, like, not offer guys <laughs> that go out of state and end up playing really well, you know, like yeah. – uh, like Jalen Hyatt, that was yeah, that was, that was a miss, and, and and everybody groans and and compl- I mean, you know, you, you kind of think about well, if Carolina had had him, <laughs> you know, uh, a couple of years ago, things may be different. Uh, so anyway, 
that's the deal there. Uh, Jared says Edwards was uh, a difference maker for most him, but he was recruited by the previous staff. He was junior, had him committed. Yep. Clemson tried to turn him and turn him into a safety, mm. but mm. Uh, mm. not uh, not that guy. Uh, he, he he was a receiver, so he and he ended up <laughs> catching more passes than anybody in the history of the program. Um, you know, I asked Shai Smith to a certain extent. I think Kevin Harris for a year, difference maker. Um, but, you know, it, it certainly is better, it's easier uh, to look back and say, well, when they were winning, these guys were difference makers. Because when you say difference maker, you're probably talking about the difference between winning and losing, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, mm-hmm. says if they do that stupid rebel yell in the Capitol steps, somebody should pull up while they were yelling, blasting Billy Idol, rebel yell and drown them out. I'll take that Aggies. Oh, oh, Billy Idol. Touchdown, Billy Idol. French <laughs> clown. Um, Zach says, I agree. We missed on them, Craig, but you can't get them all. I mean, we didn't get AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins under Spurrier. Carolina didn't really recruit DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I don't – obviously, he was a Daniel High School kid, so I don't think they would have gotten him. But uh, they weren't really high on him. And honestly, out of high school, uh, you know, he ran like 4-7, 4-8. Guy's one of the best receivers in the history of football. But uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> old J.C. Sherbert knocked him down a couple of points because he ran 4-8. But uh, – <laughs> Ended up being really, really good. Green, I think, broke everybody's heart because that was when Sidney Rice was playing at South Carolina, and you just saw AJ, and you're like, "Oh man, that guy could be yeah. special." Man, that guy's great. Yeah, <laughs> Spurrier just was like sitting out there with his towel around his waist at practice when he AJ visited. Oh, hey, thanks for coming. <laughs> and uh, Mark Rick put him in the golf cart and told him about, you know his life and his family and how Georgia loved him. And he was a father figure and he threw the good book out there and uh, he was all Georgia. He landed him. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that's it right there. All right. Well, we'll be back after these messages. We have Jamie Bradford. Yep. From the low country joining us right after this on inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're a listener, you know, I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Game. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. This is, this is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Give Adam or Derek a call or shoot him an email at a Burgesson. That's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at Remax.net for all of your commercial real estate needs. We're joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line, as always, on Wednesday with Jamie Bradford, who I noticed uh, you got some time away in the mountains this weekend, look like. Jamie, you ready to get back to football? I am. I am. Is my connection okay, by the way? Everything good? Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, 
background, back, backdrop there, man, with the chief, I think, back there. Well, you should recognize that. That's the old Jay and Goldwater backdrop. I'm, <laughs> I'm working, uh, working off of the injured list today. I am out sick, so. Uh, I, I, I've been going back and forth to the bathroom this morning. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to. I haven't, I haven't gone that far. I had to. We had our <laughs> quarterly screening of my children this morning, so I had to get up at five o'clock, naturally, when I feel horrible. Right. And my wife said, maybe you should wear a mask into the hospital this go around. And I said, yeah, no, because um, then I really can't breathe. So yeah. uh, we're home now. And uh, I did. We were at Patrick Davis's wedding. And what a wedding it was. Uh, it was <laughs> some kind of special. I got to Let me tell you something. I got to watch the Alabama, the last two hours of the Alabama Tennessee game, basically. With Ralph Friedgen. And <laughs> and here is the cool part of that. Bill O'Brien was once his GA. Right, and, at Georgia Tech. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and he had talked to Bill that morning. He he said, I talked to him every game day and wish him good luck in the whole nine yards. And we were watching the offense, and he's describing his offense and watching, you know, what's going on. And I'm sitting here thinking, this can't be real. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here. The, the, the league guitars from Sugarland is right over there. <laughs> you know, uh, Miranda Lambert's top songwriter is right behind me. Patrick is back there somewhere. He a nobody at this point in time. And I'm watching Ralph Regan break down Bill O'Brien's offense in Alabama, Tennessee. My there wife was like, I'm going to go outside. And uh, you just come out whenever you get out there. I said, yeah, see you later. See ya. <laughs> I'm yeah. watching. I'm watching Paul with the fridge. Uh, that guy was – Great play caller, man. Um, and really, think about back th- those Maryland teams back uh, in the early 2000s uh, when, when he took that job. They kind of just came out of nowhere, got up off the, yeah. got up off the mat. I remember they they were Spurrier's final victim at Florida in the Orange yeah. Bowl one year. Um, and uh, Maryland was generally really good uh, under Ralph Friedgen. It kind of petered out at the end. Uh, Can you believe James- that he he's not in the Maryland? Hall of Fame. Really? Has Maryland ever had a better football coach than Ralph Friedgen? Probably Bobby Ross was probably in that conversation. Jack uh, Tatum, Tatum, and oh, Bear Bryant did coach at Maryland. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> for one year, think, how, think remember how bad they were before the fridge took over. Oh, they were. They, they were, had bottomed out because they, they didn't. Wasn't Ron Vanderlyn the coach there for a while? After I don't know who was there. Between Bobby yeah. Ross and Ralph Friedgen, that place was a, a, a dumpster fire. It's kind of <laughs> gone back uh, to that. I mean, they're pretty good this year, but you always know Loxley and those guys are good for one one baffling loss to uh, a, yeah. uh, a, a a team not named Michigan, Michigan State, or Penn State. So, uh, but yeah. hey, they gave Michigan a better game than Penn State did. Maryland did this year. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Tiger Viola True. is hurt too. I think he's out. Uh, for the yeah, they year. carted him off the field Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out for the year. Yeah. Uh, Jamie, we had uh, Texas A&M insider Jeff Tarpley on first segment. Um, well, uh, Gamecocks are playing another beat-up football team uh, with injury issues. Uh, he doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be Saturday night. Uh, I think, um, you know, he, he pointed out that Jimbo Fisher, when he <laughs> – when he talked about it, these these coaches and these injuries these days, man, it's just it's high comedy sometimes. 
Uh, he said, well, here's what Jimbo actually said. He said, uh, Haynes King, he's going. Uh, which could mean traveling. He could do this. He could do that. Connor Weigman's the freshman five-star. Uh, but I think perhaps more importantly, kind of what I latched on to and Phil did is their offensive line has more, even more injuries. You know, they're kind of on their second group right now. Uh, he said they possibly could start their sixth different offensive line combo in seven games Saturday night at williams Bryce. Uh, mm. I think on the road with a hostile crowd, new quarterback possibly, new offensive line uh, kind of look, that, that's a recipe to uh, for disaster sometimes and, and mistakes. And I think that helps the Gamecocks. And frankly, I, I'm, not, I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of where I was going, you know. Mm-hmm. Am, am I supposed to feel bad for these guys? Because I don't. I don't feel bad for anybody that has injuries when we play them. You know how many times we played somebody with injuries? A lot. <laughs> right? Like, how many yeah. times over the years we go in and we're like, I mean, we had a damn GA as our starting quarterback last year, guys. Like, right. I mean, come on, man. Like, I, I don't care. You know, it's it's A&M. I mean, we, they're supposed to be one of those teams that you just plug in the next guy. So what? Can't plug in the next guy? It's your problem. It ain't mine. You know, hopefully Carolina can figure out a way to combat it. By the way, shout out Steve Fink for what I have deemed, in my opinion, stat of the year. Because I didn't realize this. I, I, I guess I, I, I knew it was I knew it was good, but I guess I didn't realize it was good. Uh since 2009, South Carolina coming off a of bye week is 14 and 3. Woo! And by the way, two of those losses are against Texas AM. Uh let's also remind ourselves one of them was 2015 when we won three games, and one of them was 2020 when we won all of two games. Uh, so that, that um, game was after a bye. Yeah, man. I, I remember Clemson was playing Notre Dame that night. So, you we know, the fiance obviously was wanting to watch the Irish, and I think Notre Dame won. So, I think I turned that thing off when it was 40 to whatever. 40 to something, yeah, right. I think we're this is one of the classic must champ. It's late in the game, we're getting shut out. It's a 48 point spread. All right, field goal. Let's kick well, the wasn't, that, wasn't that Will's last game? Now nah, it's the next week against Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what's weird is like that era at South Carolina. Think about how it started and how it ended. Right. The first game was the the the, the epic must champion victory, where you yeah. get outplayed the whole game, and your defense just fights and fights and fights, gives up yards when they don't let you score, and then you kick a long field goal and win at the end. Right. Great victory, underrated victory at Vandy to open his career at Carolina. The the final game was equally must champion because it was 59 to 42. (laughs) Carolina ran the I formation most of the game. (laughs) Like like it's something from the 80s uh, or early 90s, early 90s Florida State or Mark Ricks, Georgia, or whatever you want to say it. Kevin Harris ran for 270 yards. And they lost 59 42. Yeah. <laughs> well, <shit. laughs> Wondering if they played an extra quarter. Like, where'd the all the extra minutes come from? All that running. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about a guy that beat Carolina at Florida 44 11, and Carolina had 179 yards. They had 178. Uh, and, yeah. and, and lost to Missouri 42 to 13 at home with Florida. 
and and got and Missouri had less than 100 yards total offense. Overcome the adversity on the field. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I was thinking about that. I was like, West Champ's last game was 59 42. Yeah, I know. Can you believe that? Uh, well, I can. Um, so uh, you know, AM comes in, they're a slight favorite uh Saturday night. It it does look like you know, because to me, quarterback is quarterback, and that's obviously the most important position on the field, Jamie. But yeah, just like Kentucky, uh, you know, I think in this league, uh, if you have bad offensive line issues, and AM has, I mean, they haven't been able to protect that well. Uh, he said AM quarterbacks have gotten hit. How, how many times, Phil? 30 times yeah. uh, in, in, in six games. Uh, I, I think in this league, I mean, most teams you play, uh, if you're struggling up front, it, it's a recipe to, to not be able to move the ball very well. No question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is uh this is Saturday night is I'm I'm so excited to see if South Carolina is able to kind of continue what we saw in Lexington, which is playing well on both lines of scrimmage. I mean, defensively they played well and offensively they played pretty well. I mean, obviously the the first half of that game there were some hiccups there, but they ended up kind of figuring it out and you know what we have seen under Coach Beamer and and Coach Satterfield on the offensive side of the ball the last since since Shane's been here is that when they have time to prepare for an opponent they're they're pretty well prepared. I mean, look at the Florida game last last year, and then obviously North Carolina, and we're hoping to see more of the same this week against um, against A and M. But I'm hoping to see more of the same from when they went to Lexington. The things that we have long known that they need to do to win league, run the football, create turnovers, score points off those turnovers. Well, I mean, they did all that in Lexington and look, they won the game. So, you know, if you can, if you can figure out a way to do that this week, guess what guys, they're going to win. If they can run the football Saturday. I mean, it's, there's, this is, I'm going to say this like as bluntly as I can, if they can run the football Saturday night, they create a couple of turnovers, and they score points off those, those turnovers, they will beat Texas A&M. There's no other – that's it. So, let's, let's hope it happens. And um, I think they're ready to go. I think Carolina's got to look out for turnovers too, Jamie. Uh, Alabama, which, you know, you kind of look at them and scratch your head right now um, a little bit. And- I don't. I, I want saving. Who, 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 who's yeah. Alabama play next? Mississippi State. Mississippi oh, State. Oh, sweet Jesus! God help the Bulldogs. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> They're gonna get crap beat out of them. Um, honestly, like Alabama is, you can throw other teams out there all you want. Georgia's throw Georgia alongside them. Clemson, Ohio State. None of them have Alabama has. When they get Bryce Young in there and they got all that talent, they'll beat the crap out of whoever they want to beat the crap out of. Well. So, poor Mississippi State. Where's that game? In, Star- in Starville? Yeah, it's actually in Tuscaloosa. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This thing's going to yeah. be 60 to 9. I mean, it's going to be a debacle. People know, like, uh, when you get you know, how to get to Mississippi State, if you've never been there, you go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, that's when you go through Tuscaloosa, take a left, and you go through uh, Tanner Bailey's hometown of Gordo, Alabama. Gordo, uh, yeah. You lose mm-hmm. cell phone service and go through a time warp. Um, 
you like lose lose all uh, connection with the outside world for about forty minutes, cross the Mississippi border. All of a sudden, you get through like the 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 Nacho, some kind of Nanchez uh, nature preserve or something, and then you're in Starkville. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's weird. It's kind of like uh, when uh, parents used to take me to Disney when I was a kid, and we get in the car at night, we drive through the night, and I'd fall asleep and wake up, and I was there. Uh, that's kind of how you get Starkville from Tuscaloosa. But anyway, that's. <laughs> That's a, a, there's uh, nothing in between the two. There's, there's actually nothing. There's, nothing. there's uh, literally but, nothing but, until you get to Gordo, Gordo, where Tanner Bailey's from, which is weird, but uh, yeah. game quarterback. But uh, you know, so uh, you, you kind of look at Alabama. Alabama turned it over four times against AM and missed two field goals. Okay, that's a lot. If Carolina does that against AM, they will not win. <laughs> um, on the yeah. other side, AM turned it over four times at Mississippi State. They got shut out in the first half. Uh, Mississippi State ran, ran for 161 yards against A&M. They have the number 115th ranked rush defense in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, the lowest rushing total they've allowed this year is in the opener against Sam Houston uh, for 107 yards. Uh, everybody else, App State 181, Miami 175, Arkansas 244, Mississippi State 144, Alabama 286. Uh Jimbo said this week about his defensive line. He said they're young. They're not uh, containing their gaps. You know, it's not physical. It's mental. I think the Gamecocks, like like, like you mentioned, your big key to the game, Jamie, I think they have a chance to keep the run game going. And I think when you yeah. look at this offense, we can say what we want about it, but we know when they're able to run the ball, they score and win games. Shane even said it in the press conference this week. I mean, yeah. You don't have to do a lot of digging here. I mean, it's pretty simple. You go back the last couple of years and you look at the game one, look at the rushing numbers, look at the games they lost, look at the rushing number. I mean, there's there's nothing it's it's black and white. Simple so game, it, isn't it? I mean, it is, it's pretty simple. Really they, they they run, they win. They don't, they lose. I mean, it's just kind of what it comes down to. What's interesting to me, at least, about and you speak to the uh, to the guys from from College Station, which I hope they don't all dress like those strange birds that do the weird yells, but, you know, it, yeah. um, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know where they are. A and M they're right in the thick of the most difficult part of their schedule. And four of their remaining five games are at home. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, all is not lost in college station to have a good season but they've already missed the mark on the type of season that they were hoping to have by being three and three. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, well, let's say they finish eight and four. That's well, a good year. No, it's not. It's a, and not when they're, you know, paying Jimbo Fisher a hundred and something million dollars. And he's on this basically lifetime deal essentially. Um, and you're, you're, you're coming up with all this oil money to pay all these players and invested all this money in these facilities you got Texas coming to the SEC. I know you don't want them there. You can say you want BPC, but you don't want them in the SEC, but they're coming. Uh, and and you look around you, you look at what TCU's doing this year. I mean, you look at some of all the other programs in the state of Texas and the success they're having. People at A&M are pissed, guys. So, you know, like, and when that happens, you know, do the th- are the threads kind of slowly unwinding? Or, or, or is it just coming off the rails, or is it still tightly knit? And 
and they're going to be able to get this thing together and, and move forward. But, you know, I feel like if this game was being played in College Station coming of a bye week, mm-hmm. we would be having a much different conversation this week. We, I, don't, I think there's a lot of confidence on South Carolina's side of things. People like us, the fans, even though they're small favorites, I think a lot of the media is looking at Carolina like, you know, this is a big opportunity. They got a chance to really do something here. I think I saw somewhere – uh, Craig in the chat room said, I'm starting to think that we're going to thump them. You know, there's a few people out there starting to think that, and they're not just fans. Because it just seems like from the inside at College Station, it's, it's falling apart. But if playing in College Station, you know, I think we'd be like, mm, boy, it's kind of a scary time to get A&M. Yeah. They're trying to get back on the wagon. So um, I like where this game is. I like it at night with all that stuff, Carolina getting healthy, A&M not healthy. The whole nine yards and, and them losing them losing two games coming into the game, I think does matter because I, I I think mentally I'm not sure where they are. And they were right on the one foot line. Uh, yeah, I mean that close. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Titanic, what would have been a a program? I mean, uh, you beat Alabama for the second straight year. If you do that, and all the Jimbo versus Saban talk uh, over the summer. Uh, you know, you kind of get some retribution. I mean, they're right there. Uh, I, I think that kind of thing, uh, when you're that close uh, to a big upset and, and you've struggled during the season, sometimes can have a mental effect on your team. Uh, and also, sometimes the bye week in that situation, because uh, it does sound like they, they haven't cleared up injury-wise a lot, um, the bye week in that situation comes at a bad time because you have two weeks to stew on it instead of getting back out there and, and putting it behind you. Um, probably didn't help you to see Tennessee beat them the next week. <laughs> yeah, probably not either in one of the most epic games ever. Uh, a has got Carolina. They got Ole Miss and Florida back-to-back at home before yeah. going to Auburn. Then they close out with UMass and LSU. They don't win Saturday. Uh, the path to a bowl may not be as, uh, as clear as we think. I mean, I, th- I think they can beat Florida-Auburn. UMass, LSU, I think Mississippi, I think they even beat Ole Miss, but uh, I think they're better than all those teams. Yeah, I mean that Personally, would be uh, more talented. Uh, they, they, I, I think they need this win, but it, it just they don't they don't seem like a the confident well, bunch. Look, I I don't think I think if they lose this game, guys, I think it's gonna it ain't gonna be good. I know that they'll finish with four or five at home, but it, it's it's. The investment that they've made when, – when did Jimbo get there? 2017, right? 2018 was his first year. Eight, four, six, yeah, but – okay. All right, so this is this is five years. And the investment that they made uh, with Jimbo and since then – and by the way, I have a lot of respect for Texas A&M. Always have. Uh, I mean, outside of the weird little dancing guys. But – the. <laughs> The program itself and, like, the fan base is outstanding. It's an outstanding fan base. Oh, yeah. um, when they come to Columbia, there's there's is, is great of fans that we ever get to welcome from an opposing uh, standpoint, no doubt about that. Um, but but they've made such a large investment in this, in this, uh, this whatever you want to call it, this project, this situation. You know, they, they the, the stadium there, you can see it in space. I mean, it's huge. It's beautiful, uh, the whole nine yards. They've they've gone out and paid. They, remember when they paid Jimbo a hundred million dollars, and everybody was looking around like, "What? What just happened? Guy got a hundred million dollars." I mean, he, he you know, 
he had a damn crab leg quarterback win him a national championship at Florida State, and these cats were under a million dollars now. It didn't make sense, but they thought it did, and they kind of down that, and then they felt like they were out in front of this whole NIL thing, and uh, we got plenty of money. We'll just go out and pay who we need to pay, and it's not working. They're they're losing games, but and they don't care. Like, right? I think I'm wrong here. Like, they don't care that there's injuries. You should be able to plug the next guy in. They look at Alabama. They look at Georgia. Uh, they look at old LSU. They look at Ohio State. Like, that's who they think that they should be with the resources that they have. And so they feel like if we'll be recruiting in the top five, top ten every year, and we get a guy or two that goes down, we should plug the next dude in. We all know it's not that simple. We, we I get that. We y'all We all get that. But, but they don't want to hear it because they look in Tuscaloosa and you put the next five-star in, eh, no big deal. And that's what these guys feel like they're recruiting and, and, and they're not winning. And there's a problem. And I think they're frustrated with it. Yeah. yeah. I think you're seeing it in Alabama too, though, JB, with, you know, what they've got at wide receiver, I think, is, is blaringly obvious that, you know, it, you can have all the four and five-star guys you want, but if you're not developing them or if they have to go in sooner than they're supposed to, then you are at a deficit. And it's hard for those fans to watch because they're, because like you said, I mean, they have made an investment fully, you know, right. and, and at that time when Texas looks like it's down before they're in the SEC and all that, you're thinking, now's my time. And you're just waiting. Fine, <laughs> you're I'm waiting not, on let, oh year away Jimbo. Always <laughs> one year away. Phil. Always a year uh, away, man. <laughs> I, and I agree. So, like, let's let's put ourselves in that position, okay? So let's go. <clears throat> let's go back. Um, someone's last year was 17, and they went. What did they go that year, guys? Six and six. Who? Gamecocks or Aggies? No, no, no. In seventeen, uh, A and M. What are they? Six and six or seven seven? Uh, like that? Yeah, yeah, fired. I think seven and five. I'll look it up real quick. Mm-hmm. Seven and five. Okay. All right. And so, all right. So let's 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 put ourselves in that position. We we fire a guy going seven and five, um, which means we obviously have much higher expectations. And then Coach Tanner decides he's going to throw a hundred million dollars to get Jimbo Fisher. Well, I mean, if five years later, if we were three and three and we had all this oil money here in South Carolina and all this NIL money and we had a hundred million dollar coach and we were just kind of floundering around again, don't you think that people around here be pretty pissed off too? Like money talks, but money also kind of creates a reaction, you know, and if, if, if you invest $20 million in a guy versus $100 million in a guy, you're going to get a little bit of a different reaction. These A&M people are like, we're paying this cat $100 million, and we've lost half of our first six games. That ain't going to cut it. And they really ain't going to cut it if they come lose South Carolina. Yeah. Because we're way beneath them in their eyes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, know, you, you look at the teams <laughs> that they play every year, which is the West and then South Carolina, they've – lost multiple games to every team in that division from Arkansas to uh, Ole Miss to Mississippi State. They can't beat Mississippi State to save their lives. Um, By the way, I remember the first Outback Bowl under Lou Holtz. 
uh, being, I remember being in Tampa and watching A&M and Mississippi State in the Independence Bowl that year uh, in the snow in Shreveport. Uh, that was an epic game, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess that's the Maroon Bowl, right? <laughs> uh, you know, every year. But, the, yeah, South Carolina's the only team they've really beaten every single time. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Sumlin getting fired. Uh, so they finished 7-6 and six that year, 7-5 in the regular season. Lost to Wake Forest in the belt bowl, 55-50. I think they had an interim coach at that time. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. would, you, would y'all have thought that um, the belt bowl, that was on December 30th that year, right around there, right? So yeah. would you have thought that on January 2nd, 2018, that th- these two programs would have been where they've been? Like, think about that for a second. We, we won – because Carolina won nine games. That's when they – BMAC was called in as the OC, and they go out and beat Michigan, big second half, 26-19 in the outback. Carolina gets to nine wins under Coach Muschamp. Then they fart and – The next year, everybody thought that everything was going to yeah. be great. That Georgia game took the win out of the sails. And, you know, even in, in 2017, you know, Carolina was up. Down in Florida, in you're, talking the, you're talking about the Florida game in 2018. I'm, I'm talking about 2017 against A&M. Carolina was up 17-7. Um, oh, okay. The, yeah, the yeah. second or quarter of that game, uh, you know, Carolina kind of had a patchwork offensive line. It was about as good as Jake a stretch of football for Jake Bentley as, as he played at Carolina, yeah. especially yeah. that second drive with the touchdown pass to Otre Smith. And then Carolina gets the ball back. They're stopping them pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden – uh, Kurt Roper goes turtle offense with seven minutes to go in the third quarter. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there with my buddy who's also Jamie, uh, and 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 he's he's one of these that anytime something bad happens, like they're gonna lose, we just may as well turn it off, you know. And uh, <laughs> and literally, like after those two runs up the middle, even with a 10 point, he's like, they're gonna lose, we need to turn it off. And he was prophetic that day. Um, but then you know, and, and then I think in 2018. A&M got up. Carolina came back to tie it. Uh, that was not a good game for Jake Bentley, especially to start with. Uh, and Gangrex ended up losing by three. And that was Jimbo's first year there. And then since then, uh, you know, and he's – you know, people forget too, Jimbo beat Carolina when he was at Florida State. Yeah. Uh, E.J. Manuel in, in the Peach Bowl that time. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I don't know that pr- uh, before they actually hired Jimbo Fisher, uh, you know, that uh, – after Sumlin, I think people kind of thought A&M may take a step back depending on who they got in there. So, um, I don't know. A&M right now has lost four straight SEC road games, Jamie. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it kind of falls right in line with what we've said. And they're going to they're gonna walk into an incredible environment, nothing like they've never seen before. I mean, obviously, they're playing the SEC. Um, but Saturday night is going to be really special. You know, and if they can capitalize on this, I think I said last week, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I said last week that the last time I could remember a week where you could kind of feel it and then where you're going to get to game day and you just feel the energy all day, it's going to be beautiful. I think the high in Columbia on Saturday, 74, it's not going to be a cloud in the sky. It's going to be lower or mid 40s that night. So obviously, you know, 50s during the game is going to be outstanding. Uh, and I mentioned the 2012 Georgia game because you you you, know, you were playing for something much different back then. Back then, you, you had a six five matchup. 
Yeah. And and you were playing in your in your mind, Carolina, Carolina's mind. You were for an SEC championship and a national championship. If you won that game, you were in the driver's seat. And guess what? They won the game, and they were in the driver's seat until Les Miles ain't grass and the whole opponent's going to die and dreams and yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, but when I started after I said that, I kept thinking about. It. And you know what? The last time I feel like, truly feel like. We were spending a, a basically a whole week like, God, I can't wait till game day. Wait, wait, I can't wait. And felt really about it was, unfortunately, the 2014 A&M game. Because Carolina was number nine in the country. I know. I know. It hurts. Jamie. It sucks. Jamie. I but, I, but if you remember that, we knew offensively there we were fine. And we felt like defensively, I don't know, but Coach Spurrier was like, wow, I like this defense better than last year's defense. Kenny thrill into that. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally different scenarios now. Obviously, with what A and M's going through. I like that three down defense. Y'all see that? I keep hearing about it. Yeah, I like yeah. that defense. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I think. Wait, I, I don't think. I think Spurrier like because Spurrier loved people. People people understand like Spurrier loved Dylan Thompson, right? Because uh, unlike. Garcia and Connor and Savelle and Blake and Smelly and Beecher and whoever else played, you know, Dylan Thompson was the type of passer that, that he just salivates over. Loved him. Uh, probably yeah. wanted to play him sometimes over Shaw, uh, <laughs> you know, like, like Missouri that year, Connor came and saved the day. But uh, I think that whole off season, you know, in addition to making movies with Kenny Chesney, uh, Steve, because it was the summer of Steve. I mean, there was a there was a documentary. Greg McElroy picked the game cost to go to the playoff. You know, and, and I, I think Spurs spent his whole time on the practice field with Dylan Thompson. Just oh, let's just throw this ball play. Let's throw this one. Let's throw that one. Let's throw that one. Shoot, and didn't even look on the defensive side of the field. Yeah, <laughs> and just listen. Webby's like, we're going to be better than last year, Coach. All right, shoot, let's go. Come on, let's go win it all. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, hey, y'all like that three down defense? I, I didn't think so. I didn't, I, yeah, I, I, y'all like it? You know? Well, the crazy thing was they still had good wins that year. The Georgia win, the Miami win, the Florida win. Florida win. They, 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 that, that Florida game, Carolina didn't – the Carolina – game got fans now that have just watched Beamer's teams play, and I'm, I'm sure – you know, Beaver's only in his second year. There's not a lot of people just have watched Beaver's team. But uh, Carolina fans may get spoiled by these special teams. Carolina did not block it. Very rarely block kicks under Spurrier. Very rarely return a kick. I, I think when it, it took until Debo for them to return a kickoff for a punt for a yeah. touchdown or a 10-year spell. Mm-hmm. I mean, special teams were bad, but, you know, because uh, Spurrier always had good kickers and punters. But uh, they, they Beaver ball, it was not. So they go to the swamp that year and play play must champ. You know, it's kind of a rock throwing contest for a long time. And uh, Gators, you know, about to salt it away because they play pretty good defense. And then a block field goal and a block punt, you know, that was a must champion loss as well. You know, uh, it was like, and then the, the Carolina wins the game in overtime when Dylan Thompson runs the option, runs an option play and keeps it around. The that was a side. great call, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great there, call. There was nobody there, and I think Carolina tied. Yeah. Mike Davis fumbled it like to himself, and I mean, it's just it's just a weird game. And then, of course, Muschamp's fired from Florida the next day, and that set 
into motion a lot of things because hey, Carolina lost that one. I don't. I mean, think if you they think about it, and I don't know that Spurrier sticks through twenty fifteen. If Carolina yeah. doesn't go that year, yeah, you're right, and, and totally off topic. But if you think about it, if you think about it, South Carolina fired Will Muschamp twice. Wonder he didn't leave any notes left the building. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> Later, they, got, they got me again. They got me again. Have <laughs> you seen that uh, the Mud Champ bio in the Georgia program? People, it's a meme. It's like <laughs> he's been deep covert, ruining two SEC East opponents, and returns home a hero. <laughs> and it's just yeah. kind of. That is like you know, like a, that crappy grin on his face where he's like, ah, you know, yeah, he returned. Well, <laughs> so that boy, we'll and and start. about thirty million dollars richer. Yeah, 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 he's been a deep cover sabotage ops for the dogs <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Overcoming the on the field. Uh, yeah, that, see, yeah, that's that fourteen season. I, I just. I think Spurrier was just embarrassed by that defense because I mean, it, I, I, and honest to God, think well. I mean, it, you know, you probably sitting there looking at it in practice and moving it up and down the field. But he, I mean, Spurrier moved it up and down the field in practice on everybody. Right. Uh, you, you can ask some of the coaches because uh, Spurrier wouldn't always call plays. Right. He would. They would practice it. You let they let GA call some and Junior call some and Elliot call some and a graduate assistant call some. But then when the when, when the head ball coach started dialing them up in practice, they go right down the field. Uh, I guess in practice all day, so he probably didn't even know. He's right about shoot, we just go up and down the field against everybody, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably didn't know. So we got a better defense than last year. Shoot, you know. Did y'all see that Kenny Chesney movie? Yeah, you know. Burger <laughs> <laughs> top 10, 11 and a half point favorites. The Aggies are in town. Uh, everybody's Weird. even – about them doing yell practice and, and Carolina's a double digit favorite. Must ninth in the country. In the country, McElroy goes on record and says they're going to the playoffs. Oh, the playoffs you know, and uh, sure enough, that, that was a beat down. And, and you're right, Jamie. Though, if it weren't for three blown leads that year by that defense, Carolina would have actually won the division in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, they blew the. Uh, Missouri. I know Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee, but two of those were blown, were fourteen point leads, and one of them was a thirteen point lead. Yeah. I mean, game day came to Columbia that year for the Missouri game. Believe it or not, remember that? That was weird. Yep. Yeah. So I guess that's the last time game day has been to Carolina. Is it really? Yes. No. Twenty fourteen Missouri. You're kidding me. Oh, I thought they came for a Clemson game. Uh-uh. No, no, not a Clemson game. They generally are always at either Michigan, Ohio State, or you know. Auburn yeah, that's family. true. Yeah, for the rivalry week. Yeah, yeah. On 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 that week, you forget that there's other games besides those two. Um, yeah, that's you know what I'm. Just, I guess you're right because, and that's so weird because from 2001 uh, until 2014. Game day was here about every other year. It seemed like, yeah, that, I remember the first one. Uh, boy, that, that was, was a Florida great, game. That was a great day. Um, that was the that was the Florida game when, uh, yeah, when after mm-hmm. what's uh, what Adrian Carson asked Coach Spurrier on the field, "Would you about the atmosphere tonight?" Well, appreciate all the Gamecocks wearing the black tonight. Helped our receivers see the ball better. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. He was like, um, yeah. I remember talking after the game, too. He's like, well, we just uh, – this is a night game. We had a lot of time to think about things. So I just put him on the bus, and we drove around town. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, we were actually thought- leading. We were leading that game. We oh, were yeah. up like fourteen to seven or something, and then the it was great 50, 50 Petty for <laughs> first drive, and uh, Derek Watson on a tall sweep, first touchdown of that game, and and boo that the stadium was shaking. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, and that was a, that was a great atmosphere. Game day, of course, came then. I think uh, they obviously were there for some of the Thursday night games with Spurrier. Uh, but I don't know if that counts, you know, as much yes, as Saturday. Yes, it does. In 06, all these, all these other – wait a second. Look. Do we not Cent- count that? Central, Central Florida can just claim national championships. I'm going to count a <laughs> game day appearance. No, no, no. All right, that so, counts. Uh, we got to count the Thursday with Santa. You're yeah. the only game going that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I know for Saturday, they came, they came for Tennessee, and they were the fairgrounds for Tennessee in 06. And – that caused some controversy because I guess somebody said something mean to Lee Corso. Well, well, you know, yeah. Fowler popped off about it and all that. They did not come back until for a Saturday until 2010 Bama. Bama and that's yeah. when they moved it to the fairgrounds. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, to, to the horseshoe. To the and horseshoe. that yeah. was, those settings have been amazing. Neat. I yeah. think. You know. I do think if they bring it back, they need to find a way to just do it over at Gamecock Park with the stadium in the background, though. Like right there where yeah. the – like Yeah, yeah. where they set up good, everything. That's, yeah. And that's kind of – Why not? You know, I mean, they haven't been back since all that's been kind of in place, I think, you know. But I, yeah. I like that, like right there from the, the ops building going backward, you know, and there's all that park in there. Yeah, they could definitely do that. I mean, all right, well, here's my park. prediction. Let's see. Carolina wins this weekend. They beat Missouri. That gets them bowl eligible. They beat Vandy at seven and two. They go to the swamp. They're eight and two. Tennessee coming to town. Here comes game day. There you go. Gamecocks eight and two. All right, let's look and see who, who's playing. Who who are who are A and M's. Oh, Clint. Nice player. job, Clint. We're thinking the same. Hey. Yeah. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just beat A and M first, right? Yeah, let's just let's beat A and M. Carolina's no. Oh, we oh, we beat A and M thirty-seven to nothing. We're gonna wax Missouri. Fine, Missouri twenty-four, South Carolina seven. Missouri's a spiderweb team this year, man. They're different than last year. Of course, I'll never, I'll never accept last year's Missouri Carolina result at all. But uh, they're 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 probably the most improved defensive team in the league, and Vandy's probably the most improved offensive team in the league. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much that matters. game combined. Yeah, okay. I, I know. I, I don't know how much that matters. So, if you're South Carolina, nobody wants to hear that crap. No, right, yeah. <laughs> That's where that most, game's scary. <laughs> yeah, they're the most improved defensive team in the league. Yeah, but they haven't beaten anybody. Who cares? <laughs> well, they almost they, – they should have beaten Auburn. Auburn was lucky to win that Well. Yeah, uh, that that's some. Sometimes people say you make your own luck in football. I think that was a lucky win. We got to get a, a break. Uh, we're we're all way up against it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Up. Y'all are terrible radio guys. Y'all yeah, we're stuff out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> amateur hour. Nice. It's amateur hour around here, folks. <laughs> Good, because I gotta go uh, take some medicine. My head's about we'll, to fall uh, off. We'll be right back to wrap up with Jamie right here on Inside the Game Cost the show. It's a wacky Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday, whatever. Wonderful Wednesday. Whatever. Right here. We'll be back after these messages inside the Gamecocks, the show, to wrap it up. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> 
I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, everybody. Just remember, the second hour of the show is sponsored to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Get in touch with Adam or Derek at A Burgesson, that's B E R G E S O N, at Remax.net for your commercial real estate needs. We're, of course, joined by Jamie Bradford on the McKellar Enterprises guest line, as we normally are on Wednesday. You know, Jamie, I was thinking about the season this year the way it's really kind of unfolding in front of us, right? So we, we had the, the first three games. All right, first three games. You go one and two. Uh, get your two get-right games, right? And then the next three games all line up as monkeys on your back that you've been trying to get off, you know, and, and write these series. Um, I think Vegas is, is giving you that show-me line <laughs> this week home. Uh, against this A&M team. And then, of course, uh, you win that game, you get that monkey off your back, and you get a trophy out of it. And then you get this Missouri team, which is one that's really been a thorn in your side. And there's another trophy awarded to that one that we haven't seen in a while. Um, the bottom trophy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's this week. What do they call the, uh, what's the, what's the, the, the mayor's? Columbia Cup. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And then you get Vandy, and then you get the traditional Orange Crush. So this is an interesting season. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> but oh, we were done with that. I, yeah, I know <laughs> that those were nice when you got to break them up like that. I, I prefer playing Tennessee around Halloween anyway. I, I kind of miss that. I did too. Um, I agree. Yeah, the uh, but I think you know Beamer and this team really have a moment this year to provide a statement for the program. Not just the team, but you can build your brand and program so much this year, even if you do finish, you know, the last, even if you do finish four and two, let's say, you know, at the end of this. But what you can do over the next two weeks, building off of what you did a week and a half ago, uh, are pivotal, I think, for recruiting and for the direction of this program moving forward. Let's say you. No doubt. Well, I mean, you you had okay, so you squeak out seven last year, and and then you go into the off season, and you, they were they recruited pretty well, and then they also went transfer portal, and they were able to kind of sign a bunch of dudes, right? You know, Juice and Devani and and all guys. Well, hey, we can we can take the next step if we if we you, and then obviously mm-hmm. we know when, when the season started. And I mean, still now, like I don't think any of us really care much for what we do from a uh, schematic side of things, offensively at least. But, but at least you're winning games. And at the end of the season, if you're winning, if you've won a bunch of games, you won. You know, if you took that next step, if you won seven, maybe in the regular season. I mean, that is the next step. Uh, and that would also mean, by the way, that you beat some teams you weren't supposed to beat. Well, then you you've bought yourself even more time, and you've given gotten yourself. I mean, JC would know better than me, as he's covered recruiting for forty years, but um, twenty years, two years, whatever, however old you are. Um, <laughs> but um, you you know, people are watching this. Okay, they're bringing in all these players, or they getting better. I mean, I mentioned those transfers. I didn't even mention Spencer Rattler. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could argue that things still need to be adjusted, but we were better. And, and so if you keep buying yourself time and proving that you're headed in that direction, yeah, ultimately you're going to be okay. I mean, Shane Beamer, what we knew when we, when he, when coach Tanner hired him, we knew he could recruit and we knew that he was going to hire coaches who can recruit. Um, you know, the question was, can, is he hiring coaches who can coach? And some of them, he, he nailed it. Some of them probably not so much. And they're gonna have to look at that in the off season, right? If we're if we're all being honest, but um, you know, overall, if the program continues to go in the right direction, he's gonna buy himself some good with players who want to come here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think it's uh, all this success, uh, uh, the sellout crowds, all that stuff helps helps recruiting definitely. And it's uh, I'll remind everybody because we haven't talked recruiting in a while. Carolina's got a top fifteen class still. You know, right there, uh, intact. Um, maybe says we're going ten and two until we lose again. <laughs> um, I think there's confidence they'll get to eight and two going into Tennessee and Clemson. Wow, and yeah. About game day, I mean, Tennessee. If Tennessee keeps rolling, you know that 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 Saturday before the Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, there's better matchups now than there used to be in the SEC. It used to be SoCon Saturday around the SEC, but uh, or Sun Belt Saturday or whatever you want to call it. But uh, there's the, the league has intentionally put more league games that weekend. Um, yeah. But game day that that could be that could be a premier matchup if both teams keep winning. I mean that's uh, yeah. Let's let's concentrate hold on, on, right hold on guys you know let everybody everybody just hold on just a second <laughs> slow, you know, slow can, <laughs> god you know <laughs> we got a team we, there's a team coming to town this weekend they've never beaten before right <laughs> right this is easy, easy yeah, right. cotton bowl prediction over here you know <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all feeling good today <laughs> just remember all these little takes are going what's that hillbilly's name that little clemson turd that uh follows along all the carolina stuff Oh, uh, Ging or whatever? Ging? Ging? No, oh, I don't know what his name is. He's some little Twitter, some little, some little term in the upstate. Oh, uh, Shadow. Oh, guy, like Shadow yeah. of, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I hate he, to even he, give him any kind of pro, uh, or, 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 right. or, you know, publicity here. But, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, All he, he does is watch Carolina stuff. It's the strangest thing ever. Tweets about, he, he screenshots tweets and message board posts. It's and really has a really he reports you to Stone Cold Takes and uh, Mark yeah. Ryan. So everything that you've said today, he's putting in like a video that he's making it yeah, in, his, in his mommy's uh, he's you know, got, dining room he's or got something. Like a po- bunch of posts for me. Mom, can I use your computer? I've got to make fun of the cocks again. <laughs> Get off the phone, Mom. <laughs> what are you talking about, cocks? You're talking about your co- the cocks again. Oh, my God. Mom, can I my computer back, please? I got you a really nice computer. It's a Commodore 64. Uh, guy's such a loser, man. God, there are some people in the world that like, because I, I don't like to call people names. I really don't. I, I've been called a lot of names. I don't, clearly don't really care, but Maybe. like that dude is a loser. Like, he, <laughs> oh, my God. The guy is such a loser. Like he goes to the beach by himself. You know, he, you know, he probably like, he probably like hangs out at a bar. He's like, yeah, you know, my friends are, uh, they're over there. I'm sub grabbing some drinks. What's your name? Airbrush Merle. Shirt on with just his name, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's just his name, it's like Billy Myrtle, yeah. Man, summer of 22. Me and dad got a 
one time we went to the beach and we, we should have that guy on sometime. Oh, on the podcast? Yeah, so we I, I just I want to be nice to him and then I just want to just just literally get a town on him and just, just make rip him. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, you're such finally blocked him on Twitter. I've never blocked anybody on Twitter in my life. I was, this is weird. Like this guy is watching everything that I say. I don't really like that. It's just strange. It's an entire like, anonymous Clemson Twitter ecosystem. Um yeah. I've never had a Twitter because you know you start you start getting these uh tweets and you, you see these like there's one like Billy Hicks or something, H-I-X-X. He's got <laughs> he's got a picture of like an, an 80s rocker, looks like you know, from I don't know, Cinderella or some band like that on it. <laughs> and, and all he does is tweet crap about the game guys, game media, all that. And there's about five or six of them. I blocked them all. I finally figured it out because I, I kept looking at the the followers, and then there's there's one member of the Clemson media that follows all of them, which I think is interesting, but, uh, oh, uh, and then, you know, so I don't know if it's him or not, but, you know, I started noticing it and I was like, there's all these anonymous Clemson Twitter accounts that all they do is tweet about the Gamecocks all day. I'm yeah, like, it's so weird. It's been, I've blocked and, like and, less than seven. They're like rodents. And, and a lot of the them, first thing I'll tell you, it's not a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of the media just like, goes along with it my you know gene sapikoff's told me numerous times he's like i've been in stadiums all over the country he's like i have never been in a stranger press box than in death valley where people up there with pens and computers cheering for the team while they're winning he's like what are you yeah, doing like the rest of the press box. So weird. <laughs> so yeah weird. Our, our boy uh, our boy uh hale mcgranahan used to cover clemson he's he's he said it's it's quite uh it's quite weird. interesting as well so that's the deal. Jamie, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, my keys to the game, I think, are simple. I, I think you're going to say run the ball, stop the run. I think turnovers are going to be a big factor, too, just because yes. uh, A&M, uh, Alabama had four turnovers, missed two field goals. Uh, that helped A&M stay in the game. I, I think the game – on the other side, A&M turned it over four times against Mississippi State and got blown out. I think turnovers are going to be huge Saturday night. I'm going to say the same thing that I've said literally for every game this season. Don't get off to a bad start. You don't have to get off to a good start, although Kentucky was a really good start. Mm-hmm. Don't get off to a bad start. Run the football. Slow down the run. You don't have to stop it. Just slow it down. And as you said, you create turnovers and get points, you're going to win. They will win. They're going to win. They'll win on Saturday night, 27-13 final, South Carolina. 27-13 Gamecocks. It's going to be a magical night at williams Bright, And I think that the same thing will happen, happen in Kentucky. They will probably leave some points on the board somewhere. Yeah. 27-13. Same kind of thing. Um, all right, Jamie, we appreciate uh, your chat today. This was fun. This was a fun it's a good day, yeah. chat today. I enjoyed this. Um, yeah. Much for for joining us, uh, as you do every Wednesday. You still got a bunch of fans out there, man. And we uh, – Yeah, it's good. Come on, man. Come on too. So I hope you have a wonderful day. Appreciate and, uh, everybody. Yep. See you next week. See you guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Right. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark says if he starts creating anonymous Gamecock accounts to install the Clemson Sports account, shoot me in the face. God, yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't have time, man. You know? I, don't I don't have time. Yeah, my only concern about that guy is I don't want to cross him because he probably lives up here in the upcountry. Yeah. He's <laughs> a little too close to home for me. <laughs> TR resident or something, you know. TR. 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 Welcome to TR.
We know some people who live up there, don't we, Phil? Yeah, we do. I've got family up in TR, man. We got, yeah, I love it up there. TR, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty country, really. It's uh, getting TR. kind of bougie, though, in town. That's good. Oh, the downtown <laughs> area? Yeah, with the train and all that. Yeah, I've been there before. I think the last time I went there was about five or six years ago when I was living in Greenville. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, we're out of time. Home of the Devil Dogs, by the way. TR Devil Dogs. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was the rest. Woo, go TR. Anyway, uh, for Phil Mullinex, J.C. Sherbert, thanks to Jeff Tarpley and Jamie Bradford for joining us today. Don't forget, this is up in podcast format right here quickly soon. Back tomorrow, uh, who we got tomorrow? Chris Phillips and... Yeah, we got uh, Chris Phillips and uh, SEC Mike. SEC Mike back yeah. in the uh, Back in the sh- on the show. And then, of course, on Friday, we'll get your predictions. Wrap up all our pre-game uh, uh, deals with um, uh, the Aggies and Gamecocks on Saturday night. All right, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.